Today we're joined by Leah Rosenfeld, formerly an Under Armour athlete and D1 powerhouse runner who has now channeled her passion into coaching. Off the track, Leah is all about personal growth, spending time with her cast, and finding joy in everyday moments like tossing a salad. When I'm really low, focusing on either the eating, the exercise, or the sleep, or just walking outside and just getting some space. Once I figured out what I wanted, it didn't matter. I was doing the work and putting my head down, and then I got this opportunity and I was ready. My brain was really stretched in ways that were out of my comfort zone, which is a privilege, I will admit that, a huge fucking privilege, and I will never take that for granted. I feel like I'm at a transitional point in my life right now. What did you learn about yourself as you went through all of that? Like, what was the biggest learning that you, that came out of that? Before we dive into today's episode, designed to inspire your journey towards success, happiness, and fulfillment, I have a small favor to ask of you. Please take a moment to hit that subscribe button. My goal is to continue bringing you insightful and helpful content that will foster your personal and professional growth. I'm so thrilled to have you on this journey with me, and I deeply appreciate your support. So when we, when I start off the podcast, I just have my guests provide me and listeners with their background and you can include anything from childhood, adulthood, all the way to where you are today. And just, just give us a story. Love it. Well, I grew up in Richfield, Connecticut and was born into a running family so my dad owned athletes' foot shoe stores and would host these philanthropic road races around the tri-state area, specifically in Connecticut. Um, so I grew up with my parents doing marathons, hosting road races. I was like this three-year-old, four-year-old little kid at the finish line collecting bib numbers. So I was born into running. And... Um, My life has definitely been so intertwined with running, so that's kind of the common thread that led me to where I am today. So I ran as a soccer player, and I was a midfielder, and my coach in elementary school and middle school used to always say, you should be a runner. And maybe that was a nice way of saying, you're not a soccer player, you're not doing that well, you should do something else. But regardless, um, I always like to say running chose me, in the elementary school gym mile when I was dry (laughs) heaving and somehow kept wanting to do this crazy sport. Um, And so I ran, I actually had a terrible soccer tryout in high school and for whatever reason, just didn't do that well on that specific day. Mm -hmm. And all of my soccer friends, you know, made JV or varsity. And here I am like, I'm stuck on the freshman soccer team. Like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) Like my ego And the cross-country captains somehow were on the lookout. Maybe they were recruiting, like, people that did well in the the middle school gym mile. And somehow got a hold of me and said, you should come out for cross-country because you can be on varsity. (laughs) And so I'm like... Oh, yeah. I was like, I, I can be on varsity cross-country? Well, Not knowing that everyone can be on varsity oh, cross-country. I was going to say, was it a small team? It was a small team, yeah, for <laughs> sure. So, like, everyone was on varsity. Yeah, yeah. Um, didn't know that at the time. But so I tried out for cross-country practice. Mm-hmm. Again, not knowing that 
whoever tries out is going to make the team regardless. And that was freshman year of high school. And then from then on, ran throughout high school, uh, ran for Penn State in college. Mm -hmm. And then after college, I wanted to continue running professionally. But man, I was burning the candle at all ends in, in college. And I was partying and, you know, and going to class and studying, not as much as I should have, but running a lot, um, experiencing new things. And I just got so run down and sick, not so much injuries, but I'd just be sick all the time. I was an insomniac. I'd just stay up late, whatever. So I didn't go straight into running after college. I was like, I want to be on a team. I want to like join a pro team. Mm -hmm. That didn't happen. So I had to kind of pivot. Because you didn't want it to happen or? No, I was, I got so sick and run down, like my lungs collapsed. Oh my Not, gosh. no joke. We can go into that more, but we can circle back. So I had more eligibility my senior year. I could have stayed at Penn State and continued running, but I was like, I'm not, I'm like barely healthy enough to run right now. I don't want to waste scholarship money it could be going to someone that's contributing so I'm out I'm just going to graduate in four years initially thinking I'd stay fifth year so I didn't really have a plan on where to go and my boyfriend at the time was also ran in college and we graduated at the same time and he was going back to California with his family and I moved out to California with him, Mm -hmm. and we coached his high school team, Lodi High School in California. So that was my first, like, official coaching job. And we were there for a year, and after that, I was like, oh, I actually like coaching. This Mm -hmm. is amazing, and staying connected to the sport. So I ended up getting a job at Syracuse because I was like, I really... The athletes, I loved the high school athletes we were running, Mm -hmm. but there was definitely that hint of during our warm-ups or during our runs, we're going to go hide behind the bushes or we're going to go on our easy run (laughs) to like, um, oh, what is it? Like these fast food restaurants and then not do what we're supposed to do. So it was like, as a coach, I was like, I love these kids. I want so much to pull so much more out of you. And it seemed like I could do more of that in college, like Mm -hmm. get those more serious athletes. So then I had an opportunity to coach at Syracuse, Um, was there for a year, and met Eric Hines, who was at Northern Arizona University. Name dropper. Name dropper. (laughs) He's like, he was the best boss ever. Yeah. Uh, We're so close. But so he, you know, talked about the NAU team at this coaches convention that we went to. And he said, Flagstaff's at 7,000 feet of Mm -hmm. elevation. You know, we trained differently there. There was, like, some resemblance of an Olympic training center there back in the day. Mm -hmm. And as a coach and and a runner, like, I was like, oh, this is interesting. I don't know what altitude's like. So I wanted to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I moved, just took a leap of faith and moved from New York out to Arizona in 2012. And... That was it. And then so I coached at NAU for four years and got re-inspired to run again and got healthy enough to run again um, with the environment. And it's just like this mountain environment. 
it's sunny 300 days out of the year. Like you're surrounded by these Olympians coming through. There's mm-hmm. trails everywhere, similar to, you know, Colorado. Um, and I just freaking fell in love with running again. Yeah. And so I started doing it in a greater way. And so I got to the point where I was coaching the women at NAU mm-hmm. and I was running myself and I would pace them in races, but I had this like seed that was just growing inside of me where I, and I didn't know what it was at first, but I was, I felt like I was on the sideline still watching what I wanted to be doing and what I had unfinished business in. Mm-hmm. So, and I didn't know what it was. So I started going to therapy. I was like, why am I so depressed? Like, why yeah. am I so sad when I'm doing what I love? Yeah. Um, and we kind of untangled some things and, I realized I had unfinished business in running and I wanted to train for the Olympic trials and just like give it my all because I knew that I could, you know, or I knew that I could do more with it. Mm -hmm. So in 2016, I left NAU, stayed in Flagstaff because I freaking love it Mm -hmm. and was running professionally and ended up getting signed with Under Armour. Um, And it was great because I was able to train professionally in a place that I love with other teammates, but it also forced me to focus on my business because I was, I had left NAU Mm -hmm. and I was like, I don't have a job like outside of professionally running, but honestly, like it's not glamorous. Like unless you're one of the best in the world, um, you're not making enough money to like make ends meet. So Mm -hmm. I was like, so I started my own coaching business, Mm -hmm. um, and was able to coach athletes one-on-one or online around the country, around the world. Yeah. And I've been doing that and growing that ever since. So here I am today. I'm not a professional athlete anymore. Yeah. I still run and enjoy it just the same. Yeah. Maybe even a little more now. Yeah. And, and I'm coaching full time, um, and got the opportunity to coach with iFit, which was a huge opportunity back in 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was just like, um, that tied together everything that I love. It tied together coaching with running, with acting, which is what I wanted to do as a little kid. Mm-hmm. And travel. And traveling <laughs> and like in like learning and immersing yourself in another right. culture that you're unfamiliar with, but learning about it and then sharing and trying to at least teach other people while you're running. I'm like, this is a yeah. this is my dream job. So um I learned a ton. Yeah. Because that's essentially how I sort of met you. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. Fit. I was running exactly. on my Nordic track. And then I learned a ton about birds. But anyway. Yeah, you want some bird facts? <laughs> Here we go. You want to talk about hummingbirds? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, our, that's our next episode. Okay. okay. Fun, yeah. fun fact, though. Okay, tell me. Okay. Hummingbirds' heart rates beat at 1,200 beats per minute. Yeah, I know that. Because you, you did talk about that for, with one of your runs when you were in Costa Rica. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I had to pause and take notes and then continue my run because of that. Mm. that it's, was, yeah, yeah. It's a whole learning experience. Yeah. Okay. So then now you're coaching full time. Mm-hmm. What you kind of talked about unfinished business. So what did you learn about yourself as you went through all of that? Like was, what was the biggest learning that you, that came out of that to get you to this point of just now being in coaching full time? Um, Oh my gosh, I've learned so many things. I mean, a big part of it's just 
figuring out how to listen to myself and what voices are telling me what to do and coming from intuition and like a knowing and what's the outside chatter. Um, Because when, okay, so when I left NAU, the men's team had just finished second at D1 Cross Country Nationals. Mm -hmm. And that following fall, they were going, they're ranked number one in the country, and they were going for the win. So had I listened to people saying, you're crazy, like, wouldn't you want to stay and be Mm -hmm. a part of this potential national championship team? Um, Like, why would you leave? Wouldn't you, like, want to finish that out? Or, like, what would make you want to leave such a cool opportunity? Mm -hmm. And it's like, once I figured out what I wanted, mm-hmm. it didn't matter. Like, I, I loved the team, and I was fully in support of them, but that didn't make a difference. Like, I was going to do what I needed to do to feel fulfilled and to, you know, whatever that desire is within us, I had to follow it. Yeah. Um, no matter what anybody said. So I was able to listen to myself and trust myself mm-hmm. no matter what anybody else was saying. And I was really able to slow down and kind of untangle just all these patterns and thoughts and ways of being that I had built up Mm -hmm. over a lifetime of being unaware. Yeah. And then I was able to, you know, I went to therapy and which is so fun. I don't know why (laughs) this is like, I went to therapy and like I had to work. It's like therapy's fucking amazing yeah it is so much fun to like play around with okay I act this way like why is that or Mm -hmm. you know you can like I love like digging into stuff yeah it's it's really hard yeah but it's also like having I think as a coach too I like trend this way it's like how many different ways can we look at something yeah and like have infinite perspectives that are different from what we used to think all the time so Therapy was great, and but I was able to step off the treadmill or, like, step off the hamster wheel. Like, people say it, and I was like, oh, it's so cliche to say, mm-hmm. but it really felt that way. Like, with college coaching, it was, it was year-round. It was all day. It was all week. Weekends were our busiest times because mm-hmm. we were at meets, you know, or recruiting, which I loved it until I didn't, until yeah. it was too much. So when I stepped away and was running professionally, I was able to, I, I literally turned off every notification on my phone. I didn't get, I couldn't hear phone calls come in for like a couple of years. It was a little extreme. I wouldn't see someone calling unless I was looking at my phone. Yeah. But I was like, I have to disconnect. Like I can't be on all the time. I need to like figure out who the hell I am, yeah. you know? I was like, I don't know who I am. Like, I need to figure out what I want to do or mm-hmm. how I want to be in life. Have um, you figured those things out? I'm always figuring it out. <laughs> you know, it's like an onion. Where are you now, <laughs> like in terms of that discovery process? Um, I know how to trust myself. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing. And... I think I can rebound really fast if I see old patterns or stuff coming up where I'm yeah. like, I'm like, oh, that's like the child in you coming out right yeah. now, Leah. Like, um, I'm able to 
just be more playful with what's presented mm-hmm. um, and, and less fearful of things. I'm yeah. like, like I, w- my comfort zone became Flagstaff and I was mm-hmm. there for 10, 10 years. Yeah. And this past year was my 11th year. And I was like, I see myself getting maybe a little complacent, like we talked about before the podcast, mm-hmm. and a little comfortable. And it would feel so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could listen to myself because no matter how complacent and comfortable I was and how good of a life and relationships I was creating in Flagstaff, there's still like that little piece where I'm like, unsatisfied or unhappy or going through waves of depression and I'm like it's easier now to not feel stuck in it like this is happening to me and I'm in the storm and I can't figure out how to get out what I've learned about myself or where I am now is like when I'm going through something my mind is like 10,000 feet above like Mm -hmm. oh I see what you're going through right now and I see how this is happening for you and I see how this is going to lead to something great even if I don't know what the hell it is so it's like way less like in it and attached to everything I'm feeling and going through and a little more of like observing Mm -hmm. Um, and it's fun to do both like when you're in it it's fun you're feeling like you're living you're not like um, detaching yourself from your life but it's nice to be able to pause and do that a little bit more so I guess it's a long long long-winded way of saying (laughs) those are some things that I'm working with right now but man like you figure out one thing and then five minutes later something slams you in the back of the head and you're like oh what was what is this shit that I'm bringing up like what is this pattern you earlier you'd mentioned um not feeling as fulfilled when you were coaching and that's what got you into therapy and understand you had unfinished business Mm -hmm. do you feel like you're living a fulfilling life now and um you know how do you define success for just yourself at this point in your life yes oh man I definitely felt yeah unfulfilled and like something was missing and I didn't know what it was or how to get there and now it's a little less of I don't know what I'm going to do in a year from now necessarily Mm -hmm. to be quite frank I have I have so many ideas (laughs) and some plans but I don't know but it's a little more of like I am so I, I like to savor everything that I have right now And I've detached so much from success in terms of the outcome, Mm -hmm. like in terms of the outcome of how I do in races these days, Mm -hmm. in terms of the outcome with how much money I make every year. Mm -hmm. Like these things, they are important to me, of Mm -hmm. course, at some sometimes. Mm -hmm. But for example, like for me, I define success with like how what are the quality of the relationships in my life with my family, with my friends, with myself, Mm -hmm. right? With my environment. Um, How do I deal with difficult situations? Mm -hmm. And how do I have grace for myself when I fuck up in those situations? And how do I rebound in real time a hell of a lot faster than I used to? Mm -hmm. So it's not like a difficult situation ruins my week or month. It's like, no, maybe for five minutes or a couple hours and like, well, then what do I do about this? And then yeah. I figure it out. Yeah. Um, 
And so success, okay, here's a good example. So I was just in Argentina Mm -hmm. at the Maccabi Games, which is like the Jewish Olympics. Uh, It was their Pan-American Games. So all the Americas were involved. And I have won almost every single Maccabi Games that I've been to since (laughs) 2005. Yeah. Whether it was the 1500, well, no, not even the 1500, the 3K um, four by four, and then th- the past <clears throat> two marathon, half marathons, mm-hmm. sorry, in Budapest, in Israel, and now in Jeez. Buenos Aires. Yeah. So I went into that race with, of course, everyone's expecting me to win, and I ended up coming in second place behind one of the women that I coach. And it felt so good because what I define success, how I define success right now is that second place finish for me is a reflection of the past year of my life. And it's a reflection of like how I lived my life the past year, savoring moments, going to LA, living in a new place, taking acting and improv classes, which Mm -hmm. I've wanted to do like for decades, Mm -hmm. and traveling the world, um, falling in love. You know, Mm -hmm. I did all these things that are so meaningful to at least me um, that are not related to running and training and what I was so accustomed to doing. So second place, if, if my, it's like my year created that position or that finish. Mm -hmm. And I was even more happy and elated because someone who I've been connected to and coach and is, have seen the journey of, Mm -hmm. and she's worked her ass off the past few years, Mm -hmm. she won and she deserved it because that was her time to, you know, shine. Sounds so cliche. It was her time to like be the badass boss babe and be like, I worked my ass off for this running position, for Mm -hmm. this race, and I won. And that's how it should be. And I didn't work my ass off. I wasn't training that (laughs) much. I was trying to train balancing, you know, so many other things in my life the past year that I loved that I chose to do. So success is different for me now. I don't see it so much as like, yeah, my place or my time and I will. I want to train for the 2028 Olympic Trials Marathon. Yeah. So at some point, I'm going to have to shift it and be like, time does matter mm-hmm. if I'm going to qualify. But yeah, success, man, it's, 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 for me, it's like, how am I being in the world? Yeah. And how am I affecting other people? Yeah. And that's where I can, and you can sense that. Mm-hmm. There's no measuring that. Yeah. Or you can see it. You're like, are you fighting and bickering? All, or like, <laughs> what, what do your relationships look like yeah. with things? So, Who's been the most like influential person for your journey thus far? The number one, the number one. I can't say both of my parents. Oh, you can Can say, okay. Yeah, you can. Cause they're like a yin and a yang, you know, it's like, I need both of them, but for sure my parents, because they were, they are, and they were, such good role models Mm -hmm. they from a young age you know kids are so smart they pick up on things that we don't even know as parents not that I'm a parent but I can imagine yeah 
And they were such good role models in that they treated people so well. Yeah. And they would always help other people. And like my dad owned shoe stores. And it, he didn't just go to work and come home. He went to work and he saw needs within his community. And then he would host these road races to raise funds for people. Like he had a wheelchair race in Stanford, Connecticut. That got so big that they invited Bill Clinton one year. This was back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. He couldn't come. Yeah. But they named that day of his race Ron Rosenfeld Day because it was such an, it had such a great impact on so many people. Mm-hmm. And the race would raise funds for people who needed wheelchairs or racing wheelchairs. Mm-hmm. And it became a huge competitive wheelchair race, too. So he's, like, opening up the doors to his community and opportunities for people that aren't, it's not as easily accessible. Mm -hmm. And I won't go into it too deep, but like in New Canaan, Connecticut, he had a road race and he changed the road race. It was originally raising uh, money for cancer. Mm -hmm. And in his New Balance, he owned a New Balance store in Connecticut. And throughout the years, um, parents would come in to buy shoes for their kids Mm And they wouldn't bring their kids in. And my dad, after a while, was like, where are your kids? Why are you just like bringing, why are you getting it for them? And they're not here. And they said, well, I have a child with autism. And it can be more difficult if I bring them in. And my dad was like, well, screw that. Bring them in, first of all. And he would just ask them like, oh, okay. Like, what what do you do with your kids after school or on the weekends? Or what are they like? And a lot of the parents seemed like, there wasn't enough to do with their kids that was stimulating after school or on the weekends. Um, So my dad was like, okay, I see this need. Mm -hmm. There was more in that community because the public school system was so good. It's in New Canaan, Connecticut. And so my dad, my dad changed the road race to, um, it was called all out for autism. Mm -hmm. And he raised money for children with autism in his community. And with that money, they built, two different like outdoor playgrounds Mm -hmm. that were specifically designed for children with any kind of needs um but like a safe outdoor playground for them and I was just like just growing up with role models like that Mm -hmm. and that's your norm yeah I'm like thank gosh I had that um those footsteps to follow mm-hmm. and to try to and en- try and emulate. Yeah. Um, and no matter how much of a little brat I was as a kid, <laughs> you know, they were just, they're always, they're really good parents. Yeah. Like they were always parents. They weren't dumping their shit on me as a little kid. Yeah. Like there was, there were boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just like fun, positive people to be around. So for sure, like they are the most influential and impactful people in my lives, or in my, <laughs> their lives <laughs> were the most impactful on my life, yeah. big time. That totally makes sense. I love that because I feel like that was a hard question, first off, because I do think every chapter and every phase that you go through in your life, there are people that, you know, are like different people who were the most influential. But it's really amazing that your parents were there through all those chapters and continue to be. Mm-hmm. And that tends to be very rare for, like, I don't think it's a common thing for a lot of people. Um, as you've journeyed through just life and, and all of the different careers and things that you want to do, 
Have you had to let go of friendships or things that were no longer serving you as well? Because I have found that for me, for sure, there have been friendships that were 20 plus years. I thought we were going to be friends forever. And um, you just end up growing very differently. And you're not like outgrowing them. Maybe you are. But then for me, I think we just grew very differently, wanted different things out of life. And so the friendship just couldn't sustain in the longer term. Mm. or sustained based off of just the memories you made? You know, there's maybe like from way back in high school. Okay, this is what what comes up. In high school, I had a friend group that was really into partying, as Mm -hmm. was I. (laughs) Way too young. Do not do this at home. and I would hang out with them a lot, and we'd go out on the weekends. And this was like freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. And I love them. Great people. Yeah. Uh, but that's freshman year is when I had the shitty soccer tryout and started running. <laughs> when it made varsity cross country. Yeah. And I got more um, connected to the running community. Uh-huh. And, man, they're, they're just... they. They paved a different path, mm-hmm. and it was a bit healthier, to yeah. be honest, yeah. and a bit more, yeah, just clean cut. We still partied and stuff a little bit, but it was a different friend group, and on the weekends, you know, we would be trying to get our sleep because we had to meet the next day mm-hmm. versus this other friend group that I was involved in. Maybe there was nothing to do the next morning that was that important so we could stay up all night yeah. and do whatever. So during high school, I kind of like divorced that friend group. And I was still, we didn't like necessarily have a big falling out or anything, but I just gravitated towards these runners Mm -hmm. um, and the cross country and track teams. So yeah, I mean, that was something where maybe we didn't outgrow each other, but we just started growing in in parallel paths, but kind of like eventually it split off. Yeah. and, but mostly I think because I've been so connected to the running community for mm-hmm. so long, somehow like I've kept in touch with a lot of my friends. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot of things in common, things to share along the way. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like we're growing up together. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. What, do you find that, um, so we talked a little bit before the podcast. I think something that I discovered is when I went through my self-improvement, personal growth journey from, I think it was 2020, I mean, I'm still on it, but yeah. really came out of something like um, profound during that time period of 2020 to 2022. I just found like, the better I became for myself and really loving and accepting myself for who I am, I started attracting really awesome opportunities and amazing people. Do you, have you experienced the same thing where you're still, you know, I always say be a work in progress through the process, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but like, are you, do you find that you end up attracting the kind of people that really foster who you're trying to become or what you want to, uh, work towards and in terms of how you define happiness and success now? Yeah. I, you know, it's so funny these days, I feel like when I just put my head down and do the work, whether it's have that hard conversation or, 
you know, focus on my business and like really genuinely do a good job mm-hmm. and kind of, and just be very intentional with what I'm doing. Yeah. I swear, like if you, if I do it for like a couple of days, all of a sudden, like someone reaches out, yeah. you know, whether it's an old friend or a job opportunity or whatever it is, yeah. it, it is absolute magic. <laughs> like what's going on here? Yeah. But, um, yes, I would say, so for example, back and this is in a bigger way. Mm-hmm. Back in 2021, or well, let's go back to like 2020 when yeah. the pandemic was like really coming on strong and no one knew what the hell to do. I, I was like, okay, I, I still was coaching online. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I was like, I'm not as impacted. I can still do what I love to do mm-hmm. at home. Um, and, but I had more free time, you know, we're yeah. stuck inside. So I started following my curiosity and I was like, oh, I've always been interested in improv classes. Yeah. And thankfully they got put online and otherwise I would have had to move to LA and yeah. I wasn't ready then in my life. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do these improv classes. Started doing that. Mm-hmm. And then I took this online class on Coursera um, through Yale University called oh, something about like... Um, Something about happiness mm-hmm. with Dr. Lori Santos. Mm-hmm. And I took that class. The name will come to me. And it was, it was the perfect timing to take that class, first of all, during the pandemic. And like, I, otherwise, I could have gone through this negative spiral. But I was like trying to work on myself and better myself mm-hmm. and just like follow what I was interested in. And this class was like helping me with all these just like mindset shifts and things that we could, like, perspective shifts or tools, whatever to use if you need to flip the script in your mm-hmm. brain. So I was doing the improv, still coaching, taking this class, and running. Mm-hmm. And that next fall, actually it wasn't until the fall of 2021, I was just, my head was down. Yeah. And I was working, and I was savoring and enjoying my life in any way that I could. Yeah. And I was, and... I even decided to get Invisalign. I was like, shit, if I'm going to be inside, I'm going to come. I I literally said to myself, I was like, fuck this. I'm going to come out of this pandemic better. With straight teeth. With straight ass (laughs) teeth. With just more skills than I had before. I was like, fuck this. Like, I'm, I'm. Because if I don't do that, I know what it looks like. And I do become lazy. And it is hard to get out of bed. And I do have self-sabotage tendencies. So I know what it looks like. And I was like, I just don't feel like dealing with that shitty version of myself. So I'm going to do this. And then I get this DM on Instagram from iFit. And I I had connected with them in 2018. But Mm -hmm. I wasn't ready for it. In so many ways. So I didn't really follow through with the audition or whatever. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm a professional runner. I'm going to just do this, which was fine. They reached out again in 2021. So it's kind of like I was doing the work and this, I didn't even know what, how big of an opportunity it was, but Mm -hmm. it came into my inbox and I responded and we, the, when, when you respond to them and they're interested, like it's zero to a hundred, like, okay, next month we're going here. Like we're going to audition. So I went out to California 
and did an audition with them mm-hmm. before traveling to another country just so they're so they can make sure does this girl like know what she's doing like or is this you're like of course you know? I don't yeah exactly <laughs> they didn't know I'd never been on camera yeah. before but this is how it all came together was when we were filming out in California for the first time it was the first time I'd been on camera in that way where it's it's not live but it's basically live. Yeah. Like the camera's running and you're improving. There's no script. There's no anything other than, okay, I know what workout I'm about to do. Mm-hmm. Here are some things I'll share, yeah. like some coaching tips. But otherwise, it's all on the fly. And sometimes these are like 70 minutes long. Oh you God. know, you've done them with yeah. me on iFit. So after we filmed this this um, test run, Mm -hmm. this dress rehearsal in California, I talked to one of the producers and I was like, you know, I've never been on camera before. (laughs) And he was like, what? Yeah. And when he was so shocked, it was validating. But in my mind, I was like, holy shit, had I not done these improv classes, I would not have had the right nerves or mindset or playfulness, or creativity, you know, like, I I wouldn't have been ready for those iFit videos, and had I not taken this course on happiness Mm -hmm. and mindset during the pandemic, when it was really fucking hard for so many people, I wouldn't have been in this, like, positive, open-minded state, Mm -hmm to share myself in a big way with so many people under a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, and had I not been, had I not c- continued running, I wouldn't have been able to do these workouts. And yeah. had I not continued coaching, like maybe I would have been a little more flat or stale in my, how I was coaching. So it's like I was doing the work and putting my head down and then I got this opportunity and I was ready. But I, but definitely like a huge theme in my life that I keep thinking back on is like, do the work before the opportunity comes. Yeah. And we don't know what those opportunities are going to be, but like follow your curiosity and do something that you're interested in. And it's going to come back full circle at some point. So it's fun to reflect and be like, oh, all these things led to this moment. So when I'm going through the shit, at any point, or like, I don't know what's next. I'm like, well, I'm going to do something and I have to take action because it's going to lead to something greater. I think that's the beauty of it is, um, I was listening to a podcast. I think it was, a by Stephen Bartlett. Do you listen to that? The CEO diaries or the diaries of a CEO? No, I saw that you were on that podcast. Oh no, I wasn't on it. You weren't? No, I wish I was. But no, I listened to Oh, you to, told me about, told about, it. about it. I wrote it down. That's And why. he interviewed Arthur Brooks. I think that's his name. He's like, he teaches a, a course on happiness for Harvard. But he talks a lot about the delayed gratification. So yes, we've seen it like it's trend. It's been a trend on TikTok and, and IG and all that. But uh, when parents put candy in front of their little kid and they say, if you don't eat this, I'll give you more candy when I come back. Some of the kids eat it, some don't. So there was mm-hmm. actually a, a study that was done and 80% of the kids ate the marshmallows. Yes, it's marshmallows. marshmallow study. And then 20% didn't. And the 20% who didn't went on to having more successful careers and things like that. And I think one of the things that even for myself I've noticed is, and that I hear you saying too, is, 
there's a sense of delayed gratification, meaning that you're willing to put in the work, enjoy the process, knowing that there is something that's going to come out of it. You don't know when or what, but you're not doing it for just the reward. Mm-hmm. It's the idea of putting in the work now to build for something greater down the road. Yeah. I think it's somewhere along the way, that's like not taught like to young kids. Yeah. Somehow it's like, what grades did you get? You know, or like, how did you do on your SAT or how did you do on your GRE or yeah. yeah, what time you had to run this fast time to get into college or to qualify for this event. But certainly it would be, it would have been helpful as a little kid to really have it instilled that like what you're doing right at this moment is the whole point, Yeah, you know, and just keep doing that. Were you, how was school for you? Was it easy? Were you like straight A's or oh my did you God. have to study really hard? Such a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was so interested in boys, in sports, in theater, um, instrument, playing, writing notes, yeah. you know, recess. I could care less about what we were learning in school. So I, I wish now, and I could, I wish I could go back to school now. I would care so much more and like really want to study things and learn. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, no way. I was like, I wanted to be outside playing. I was, when I was 14, I was diagnosed with ADHD. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, okay. And I, it's funny because, so, so to answer your question, no, I was not a straight A student. <laughs> yeah. It's funny though, because the, the classes that I did really well in were language and math mm-hmm. um, and English a little bit because I could bullshit my way through things. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. But history, science, I wasn't paying attention enough to really absorb any information. Yeah. But it's funny because I look back on it and I was like, okay, well, math was a little easier just because it's like you have these set rules. Mm-hmm. And once I learn the rules, you can apply it to like any problem. Yeah. But science and history is a little more like you, ha- you know, you can't just learn about the Revolutionary War and then the Pacific Theater and World War II and have like the same names for people. You know, it's, yeah. it's different. Um, and in language, you can't bullshit your way through a language. Either you know it or you don't. So it's like, the classes, especially language, where I had to learn it, mm-hmm. I did well. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, I guess, I, and maybe I was more interested in it or something. Yeah. But if I had to learn it, I actually would. Yeah. But if I could somehow float on by and tune out, right? The ADHD brain very easily can tune things out. Mm-hmm. Um, I would. Yeah. And then I'd start writing notes and think about things that I, I would daydream and think yeah. about things I was interested in. So yeah, school was, school was really hard. Yeah. Including um, like college and everything too, or how'd you do it? Uh, you know, my sophomore year of high school, I got on Concerta mm-hmm. and I, I was diagnosed with ADHD. Mm-hmm. It was my choice too. I remember having multiple conversations with my mom in the car mm-hmm. while the radio was on and so many times I'd be like what'd you say what'd you say and I caught myself I think it was the first time I was aware of myself Mm. to be honest or aware of what I was doing a pattern and I was like how do you not hear anything I didn't hear 
anything she was saying all the time. And I was like, whoa. And I, I was like, do I have ADD? It was ADD at the time. I was mm-hmm. like, do I have ADD? So we got tested. And they're like, oh, yeah, you definitely do for ADHD. And <laughs> yeah. then I got put on Concerta. And that did help in school. So I start, my grades started going up. I could focus a little bit better on things I wasn't interested in. Mm-hmm. And then in college, it was a little fluctuation. It was one of those things where I did well in some classes that I was interested in. Um, but man, I would get so distracted and I'd have so many other things I wanted to do that mm-hmm. it got to the point my sophomore year where I was almost ineligible and my cross country coach talked to me and she was like, Hey, if you don't get your grades up in these classes, you won't be able to run. Mm-hmm. So that was like the fire lit under my butt where <laughs> I was like, Oh, well now I can't do what I want to do. So now I'm motivated. Yeah. So yeah, so school was definitely difficult. Like, I always thought I should be in a, like, performing arts school or something. Like, mm-hmm. that probably would have suited me better. Yeah. Where are you now, like, in terms of what are you, what are you interested in and what are all the different things that you're exploring? Because I find that, for me, I, I got lucky. I discovered something that I was really into at a pretty young age, fresh out of college, or before even then, I was I just knew I was going to run a company one day because I'm like, I don't think I want to work for anybody. I want to kind of build my own thing. And um, like for you, you know, where I love the idea of if you don't know what you want to do, like definitively, right, that's totally fine. It gives you a lot of room for exploring and discovering different things that you might be into. Like where, what are your top three interests that, that you're exploring now to potentially, I don't know, build a lifelong career out of or whatever you want to call it. I love it. Um, it would be running, mm-hmm. coaching and acting. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely, I feel like I'm at a transitional point in my life right now where I've been running for a really long time, did it professionally and not professionally. Um, I've coached in a lot of different ways in high school, college, through IFIT, community groups, through races. And now the acting piece, which was a piece that I felt I wanted to do mm-hmm. or a piece of something I was interested in yeah. when I was a child. Yeah. So it's like pulling that part of myself back um, or like reminding myself of what I also love to do that's not running and coaching. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to integrate all of them. Mm-hmm. And so recently, I well, this past year, I went to L.A. for three months, and I took improv classes, and then I took acting classes. And so honestly, right now, it's like a little bit of a dance of I can combine all three with iFit. Mm-hmm. I can combine all three with my coaching business because I coach my running fuels my creativity in mm-hmm. all aspects. I create exercise videos yeah. um, and coaching videos. So it's like I get to do all of it, but now I'm kind of like teasing the strings of all three of those things, and I'm like, how do I weave them into something else? Or, yeah. how, or can I do something different with them? And there's a few things I have in mind, um, but right now I'm playing around with those three things because I think that's what I've been missing. I've Mm -hmm. been a little too much just running and just coaching. Mm -hmm. And that 
and you can be very creative in that, Mm -hmm. but there's something about the acting or self-expression that I was missing and that I think led to waves of, you know, waves of depression and feeling like something's missing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're like, what is my purpose? What am I, what am I even doing here? How do I serve other people? Um, and it's awesome because like through those three things, I can really serve other people. And what I want to do ultimately is to help people through humor and movement. Yeah. And I, maybe you found that with iFit, but it's like, I love the coaching and the running and acting, but also making it playful. Yeah. So it's like, to, this is how the essence of running like runs through my veins is like, if I'm on the start line, I'm thinking of like, of certain like rap songs, or I'm thinking like, oh, everybody here on the start line is my teammate, and we're all about to like <laughs> yeah. pace the shit out of this race together, or yeah. I'm like waving to people in the stands. I'm mm-hmm. not, I used to be anxious mm-hmm. on the start line. I'm not that way. It's like, it's not, it's serious and not that serious to mm-hmm. me. I'm like, this is fun. Yeah. Like, why am I doing it if it's like, I, it's it's nice to do things when you don't, it, of course, when you don't want to do them and they're yeah. really freaking hard. Like, I yeah. love doing that too. But, man, if you can't, like, laugh at yourself and yeah. make it playful and, like, for me, somehow enjoy it, I'm like, what am I doing here? Yeah. So I like to take something serious and make it a little more playful. Yeah. So, okay, so I know, we met because I had reached out to you and we – we, like you coached me for a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think that was one of the things that I loved so much was you made the coaching aspect of it actually really, really fun. And also I just don't think we can ever have a serious, this is the most serious <laughs> conversation we've ever had. I don't know what to do. It's so serious. <laughs> know, I'm like, Oh my God, this is, I got to lighten the mood a little. Um, but what, you know, so I know what your coaching style is like, but how would you like for the people who may be considering getting a, a running coach and they aren't sure yet. And all that jazz, like, this is like, why do you think like makes you different from the other coaches that are out there? Or maybe just perhaps like, what is your coaching style? Well, okay. So there's a coach for everybody, mm-hmm. right? It's like you can pick and choose from every type of coaching personality and yeah. base of knowledge and experience um, in their background of coaching and stuff. Yeah. So Someone for everybody. I'm not for everybody, but (laughs) I will say like, I mean, practically, Mm -hmm. man, my coaching style now is like, I'm giving all the athletes things that I obviously wish I had and that I learned along the way through working with kids and community members Mm -hmm. and Olympians and Flagstaff and, you know, top, top teams at the NCAA division one cross country nationals. Um, so it's a com- it's a culmination of all that stuff. Yeah. But it's like I'll have a video for pre-run drills. So it's like if I have an athlete or a runner and they're like, "What do I do before I run?" Mm-hmm. There's a video for that. Yeah. What do I do for my run? I'm not going to say go out for an easy run. I'm going to say here's an easy run. Here's a video of Britney Spears that says, let's get to work, bitch. And you can run your easy runs within this heart rate range. And here's something to focus on, like Mm -hmm. focus on your feet gripping the ground or like 
little tips and tricks to like shift your mind out of the, I don't want to do this or this is taking a Mm -hmm. long time or I'm really stressed about this like big conversation like that I have to do with work later on. Like I'm, I'm trying to, to put you in a different state of mind that's Mm -hmm. productive and that's focused either on your form or your body or things to think about or something fun. Like here's, yeah, like I have a workout called the twist. Yeah. It's like these five by five minute segments and the twist is that you have to surge at the end of like the second and fourth rep. Mm -hmm. And then there's chubby checkers, the twist video (laughs) playing right before your workout so that you get a little like out of your head and like, okay, this is fun. It's Mm -hmm. like not that serious. And what do you do after the workout? There's stretching videos and exercise videos. And some of them are are a little more like serious, a matter of fact. And Mm -hmm. some of them are like really playful. Um, So the coaching style is like, here's everything you need Mm -hmm. and it's going to be fun or it's going to be funny or you're going to learn something. Or if you don't, like, let me know and we'll (laughs) chat about it. We'll figure out what works for you. Yeah. When you're in these moments that you feel down or low, what do you do to pick your like to get yourself out of that? That is the million dollar question, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I've had my mental health struggles. Mm-hmm. I oh, I it's always it's an ongoing thing with me. Mm-hmm. Um, for some context, like I had, I was diagnosed with ADHD. Yeah, that comes from trauma or not getting something you needed when you were younger and tuning out. Um, I had some gut health issues Mm -hmm. and the gut brain connection, man messes with your serotonin and your dopamine like no other. Mm -hmm. I had, um, I got on Concerta and that led to it like triggered OCD in myself is the weirdest thing. Mm. So I started just having this all-consuming thoughts of like, if I don't place my feet on the ground at the same time or screw the cap on a bottle at the same time, or I would like perfectly screw the bottle Mm. cap on, or when we're flying in the air, like if I don't sit perfectly still or place my feet on the ground at the exact same time, my family's going to die. Like these thoughts that are just like, when you're in it, it's all-consuming. Yeah. And... When I was on Concerta, it also suppresses your appetite. So, and I was on 12-hour release. It's 12-hour released Concerta. Mm -hmm. And Lord knows I was up partying the night before. So sometimes I wouldn't take it till like the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And then I'd be up all night. So I kind of had this, I wasn't diagnosed, but I had some sort of insomnia. Mm -hmm. And it was really easy for me to just be up all night, like wired. Mm -hmm. So this combination, like this shitstorm of like a bunch of things going on, um, definitely led to like the scattered mind Mm -hmm. getting really distracted and agitated and not knowing where it was coming from. Yeah. Um, and, and waves of depression where I didn't know what it was at first. Yeah. And one of my friends, I was on a run with them in Flagstaff a few years ago or several years ago now. And yeah, it's just like, it's really, I I don't listen to music anymore. And Mm. he was like, why? I love music. 
And I was like, I don't know, it doesn't, it literally doesn't sound the same. Yeah. And he was like, how's your appetite? I was like, it's okay. I was like, I don't really care about food right now, but it's Mm -hmm. fine. You know, you know where this is going. And it was, yeah, just hard to get out. It's hard to get out of bed, but it's, it's so much more than that when you're in it. It's like there, the hope, there's no hope. There's just like, what is this? Like, there's this like retraction that Mm -hmm. I get into where I'm really extroverted Mm -hmm. and sometimes I'll, I'll start the cycle of like not going out as much and not talking to people as much and feeling really introverted. And, Mm -hmm. um, then, then you just start to overthink all these things. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it gets a lot darker too, Mm -hmm. but Things that I've done to get out of it is, or things I've done to get out of it are, there's a lot of things actually. One is knowing that I don't need motivation to do the things that I need to do that will ultimately get me better. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, an easy way, if, if someone's listening to this and they have no idea what their environment needs to look like to feel better. Mm-hmm. Maybe, and hopefully, there was one time, at least in your life, when things were going well. So I could think about this. Mel Robbins said this once. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if you're going through a really shitty time, write down, I know it's so, it sounds so dumb, but it really helps. Like, yeah. write down on a piece of paper. Draw a line on a piece of paper on one side write down the things you were doing in your life when things were going well or you felt a little better. Yeah. So like literally from the moment you wake up till the moment you go to sleep, what were you doing? What were you eating? Mm-hmm. What was your job? Where yeah. were you physically? Um, what did you have going on? You know, Who were you surrounding yourself with? And write that down. And then the other column, write down what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And likely they're mismatched. And so, like, I've done that where I'm like, I know eating, exercise, sleep. You can hear it on a million podcasts. They're yeah. so fundamental in how we feel. Mm-hmm. And they're, start, they're easy, easier starting points in that we have to eat mm-hmm. something. The exercise, yeah, it might be real freaking hard for some people to do. Yeah. And the sleep... But like, if I know if I eat well, mm-hmm. I'll feel better when I exercise. And when I exercise, it'll ultimately make me more tired to go to sleep. So it's like in that specific order, mm-hmm. I know I have to focus on those things or one of those things. Yeah. Um, and for me, like, Man, I know if I don't get out the door, even if I'm in a good mood, I know if I don't get out the door before lunch Mm -hmm. to run, my motivation just severely drops off in the (laughs) afternoon. Like, it's just ridiculous. Um, So I'm like, I have to get out in the morning at some point. Mm -hmm. But when I'm really low, um, focusing on either the eating, the exercise, or the sleep, or just walking outside yeah and just getting some space yeah or listening to a podcast or just doing something calling a friend yeah um not being on social media I mean a lot of times I won't 
check my phone before breakfast or after dinner. Mm-hmm. And that helps me just feel like I'm, it helps me feel like I'm actually just living my life and like yeah. I'm aware and present of my life yeah. and not focusing on other people's lives all the time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and there's also like when I'm not feeling my best, I, so I take, I do Tai Chi yeah. and it's run, it's this, uh, it's called body and brain Tai Chi and it's run by these Korean masters mm-hmm. in what they do. And when we were doing these like really slow meditative, one could call it serious, like poses and movements, he would say, A, smile while you're doing it. Yeah. And B, you're only one step away from a dance. <laughs> so I was like, literally, no matter what I'm doing in my life and how shitty my attitude is mm-hmm. or how stressed I am, Mm -hmm. I've just downloaded this thought in my mind from saying it over and over and over again as you are one move away from a dance. (laughs) And it's it's so hard when you're in it. It's so hard to think that way. But I do think you can train yourself to like have these thoughts that just kick you out of it just a little bit. Yeah. I like that. I like that just in everything that you said instead of focusing on things that you can't control, you focus on things that you can do right now that are in your control. Simply getting outside, having some sort of movement, eating, sleeping, and all of that. You know what you just made me think? What? Tell me now. Oh my gosh. When I was, I was just feeling so disconnected. So this past year, I disconnected from Flagstaff fully. That was my comfort zone. Mm. Those are my people, my community. I love them with every like ounce in my DNA, like mm-hmm. down to my mitochondria. Like it is, mm-hmm. I love Flagstaff and the people there. Mm-hmm. And I knew I needed to do something different. Yeah. Because I kept going through waves of depression. I was like, this isn't me this is my environment and how I'm going about my day and I need to do something differently so I felt so this whole past year I was traveling doing other things but like really missing my the community that I built there I was missing my routine Mm -hmm. you know I was missing exercising in the way that I was doing and I was really my brain was really stretched in ways that were out of my comfort zone yeah which is a privilege, I will mm-hmm. admit that, a huge fucking privilege, and I will never take that for granted. Yeah. And I'm doing the best I can to see that through and to bring others along with me because yeah. I know it can lift people up. Yeah. Um, but I was feeling so low and disconnected after traveling around the world and coming back to the U.S. You know, I had gone through a breakup. I wasn't making as much money with my business because mm-hmm. I had been fucking around having fun for a while and not focusing so much on it yeah and things took a dip yeah and I just felt like I missed my friends and I'm I just there was a lot of change so much all at once Mm -hmm. and I was floundering a little bit and I felt like I don't it might be the ADHD it might be just I think it was a combination when I get my period (laughs) shout out all you babes getting our periods (laughs) 
I mental health stuff is definitely a challenge around yeah. men. I get very irritable and low, mm-hmm. and want to like change everything in my life all at once. And I've yeah. known I know now don't make any big decisions yeah. during that luteal phase. But I, it was a combination of this whole storm of the cycle, mm-hmm. where I was in my life, what I'd been doing the past year, breakup, just like feeling so sad, yeah. and. The only thing that I could get myself to do was I was like, I have to do something. So I just started washing the dishes. <laughs> and while I was washing the dishes, yeah. I started like kind of like whistling or like singing to myself. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I can see this. I, and I, it kind of like just kicked my mindset like mm-hmm. out of this rut. just enough to then think of the next thing. And I was like, woe is me. I'm so like, I feel so insecure and vulnerable. I just opened up myself to like somebody else and this, a different way of living. And, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't going to plan. Yeah. And I was like, what else can I do? Cause I know like you can program yourself to be like, there's a solution to every problem and how can I get myself out of this or how can I just do something to change my mind? Yeah. Like to to get into a different mindset. Yeah. So I was like, okay, the next thing I was like, I've heard this somewhere. I don't know where, but I was like, gotta do something for somebody else. Yeah. So I just baked muffins for my family. I gave them to some of my friends. So just like it sounds so stupid sometimes, but it's like just doing something like that, like wash the fucking dishes, clean <laughs> your bed and make your bed, like right. vacuum, like do things exactly like you said in yeah. something that you can control, yeah. something that's like really small. Yeah. And in my mind, it's always like if you can just get out of that mm-hmm. and then start doing things for other people. Yeah. Like it'll, it'll really pull you. It, it could, it yeah. could really pull you out of it. Yeah. And I always love the quote. I say this a lot to friends, colleagues is you find yourself when you lose yourself in the service of others. And I really believe that, mm-hmm. but you have to be, it has to be genuine too. Like you can't yeah. give with expectation. If you give mm-hmm. from a truly authentic place and you're not looking to get anything in return, I don't know. I just feel like the universe has a way of working itself out that whatever comes back to you comes back in tenfold of what you gave to people because it was just who you are and and you you gave out, out of kindness. Yeah. As we wrap up this podcast, leave the listeners with, one piece of key advice that you would want to give both in life, business, whatever it is that you feel would be meaningful and helpful to them? I would say follow your curiosity or something that you've always wanted to do or something that you wanted to do as a little kid. I promise you the things that you wanted to do as a little kid are the things that are the most true to your essence and who you are. So like for me, it was improv acting Mm -hmm. that I had suppressed and not done for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Um, You can start really small, but like 
following your curiosity, doing something that interests you that's different from maybe what you've been doing from day to day. Yeah. And it doesn't have to make sense and it doesn't have to look like it aligns with your business or whatever you're doing, right? Was it Steve Jobs took a calligraphy class in college and then it came back and helped him design Apple. Mm. But had he not taken that class and understood design, it probably wouldn't have been the way... You know, it wouldn't have turned out the way that it did. Um, And and do, okay, this is like probably the biggest thing for myself and that I hope will resonate is like do the work before you need to. It's like if you don't want to meditate, you should start meditating. You know, it's like if you don't have time, the people that don't have time to meditate are the people that need to meditate the most. Yeah. And it's like, you don't have to meditate. You can do whatever works for you. But it's like, do the work before it's needed. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, if if you feel unsettled Mm -hmm. or unfulfilled or you, you know in your core that your relationship with yourself or with somebody else isn't clean or clear or it's aggravating and churning something up inside of you do the fucking work like do you really want to spend the next the rest of your life with this like seed of doubt or uncertainty or like I could have done better Mm -hmm. like for me it was like had I not meditated had I not had had I not worked on my relationships with myself and my parents Mm -hmm. and my family had I not followed my curiosity and done improv and Tai Chi and those kinds of things, those all aligned when I went through the hardest moments of my life. Mm -hmm. So I had people and things and tools that were the fabric that kept me from falling through the cracks. Mm -hmm. So it's like, do it now. Don't like, why would you, why wait to do something that either you've been wanting to do something you're afraid to do or something that maybe you're curious yeah. in. Start you're, before you're ready. You start before you're ready. <laughs>